This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson here from Studio B on the campus of the Saints in the Pelicans off Airline Drive. Hope this Tuesday finds you well. We have a lot to talk about on this Tuesday. Unfortunately, we're talking about a Pelicans loss last night. It was a rough one inside Vivint Smart Home Arena at Salt Lake City, Utah, as the Pelicans fell to the Jazz 88-283. Not a lot of scoring, and uh, both teams coming off a of back-to-back. Not the only excuse, but it wasn't pretty if you were watching or listening. The Pelicans shot just 35% from the field, 30 of 84, 10 of 33 from beyond the arc, and 20 turnovers. Again, turnovers a major factor since the All-Star break. 21 points off those turnovers for the Jazz. Jazz weren't any better in that category. 19 turnovers, 22 points off those turnovers for the Pelicans. 40% Jazz shot last night, 33 of 81. They had five players in double figures, or four players, I should say. The Pelicans... Had four as well, led by Anthony Davis, who had 20 points and 12 rebounds. Off the bench, Jordan Crawford making his Pelicans debut just hours after arriving in Utah. He was coming from Atlanta, where they was playing a D-League game for Grand Rapids. 19 points, 8 of 15 shooting, 3 of 7 from beyond the arc. So it was nice to see Jordan Crawford step up last night for the Pelicans. Each one more with 10 off the bench. DeMarcus Cousins with 15 and 8 on 5 of 15 shooting. Just Really couldn't get anything going. 14 points in the first, 34 points overall in the first half, which was a season low for the Pelicans. But then he turned it up in the fourth. He almost had the same amount of points in the fourth as he did in quarters one and two as the Pelicans outscored the Jazz 31 to 27. Of course, we'll hear from Jim offer from Pelicans.com. As we always do on a Tuesday, he'll join us via the telephone after the Pelicans arrived late last night from Salt Lake City. And then they'll bounce back hopefully tomorrow night against a really good Toronto Raptors team, but they're missing one of their stars. Kyle Lowry is out, so a chance for the Pelicans to get back on track at home before heading out to Charlotte on Friday to take on the Hornets on Saturday. Also, the NFL Combine is uh, basically done, or over with, I should say. And we'll wrap up the Combine with uh, Joel Erickson from The Advocate, who covers the Saints for the newspaper. He'll talk about who he liked in the Combine, who he didn't like, and what's next for the Saints and the rest of of the NFL. Also, March Madness. Y'all getting into March Madness. These conference tournaments are underway. Some of these mid-major tournaments coming down to the wire. It's so fun to watch. And then today, starting some of the major conference tournaments, all-day marathons of four games. And it's a a lot of fun. I look forward to seeing that. So hopefully you all can enjoy some college basketball this week, as well as NBA and NFL talk. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk Pelicans with Jim Eikenhofer, followed by Joel Erickson from The Advocate. You're listening to The Black and Blue Report. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of a low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. You're at a dinner party. You're seated next to a loudmouth. Plus, there's no bread. Why is there no bread? 
Myrtle the family chow chow seems very interested in you. But you're allergic to Myrtle and you left your inhaler at home. But it doesn't have to be this way. Win the night with the New Orleans Pelicans facing off against the Houston Rockets Friday, March 17th. Bring your whole clan and celebrate St. Patrick's Day with the Pels. Visit pelicans.com for tickets and win the night. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. Fresh off his trip to uh, L.A. in Salt Lake City, we welcome in Jim Eikenoffer from Pelicans.com as we normally do on a Tuesday. Jim, I uh, hope this Tuesday finds you well. Hope you were able to get a little bit of rest this morning. Yeah, I did. I think we got in around 3 a.m. or so. Um, I think I probably probably got to bed around 4 or 4.30. But, you know, when I saw on my schedule that I had a black and blue report interview this morning. I immediately got out of bed and was ready to go. I expect nothing less from you, Jim, and I appreciate that. Um, it's kind of a weird road trip. You think for a two-game road trip to go all the way to L.A. and Utah, um, usually these quick two-game trips are usually to maybe cities like Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, but the Pelicans had to travel pretty far for just two games, don't you think? Yeah, it's one kind of odd aspect of the schedule um, this season. There's there's a few there it seems like there's a few of these trips where you go all the way to the West Coast and only play two games. From my experience of this is my fourth season of traveling to every game during the regular season, um, I don't remember that ever happening before where there was any trip. In fact, I don't remember a trip in the past where Utah was part of it and it was it wasn't at least three or four games. So yeah, it's been odd. There was also a Thanksgiving trip that went all the way to Portland and then hit Dallas and then came home. So. There's a million, to me, overall, there's been so many improvements to the schedule, and they've done a really good job overall, the NBA. But that part of it is a little strange, I have to say. Well, uh, I know you're probably pretty tired, but it seemed like also that both teams last night were asleep at the wheel uh, in Utah as the Pelicans fell to the Jazz 88-83. to And, uh, Jim, it, I, I'm going to try to let you see if you can describe what happened last night, but it was uh, pretty tough to watch at times. Yeah, it was not um, one of those games where they're going to uh, take clips from it and put it in the <laughs> NBA's This Is Why We Play yeah. commercials. It was definitely not something that you want to remember or keep around. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the uh, both teams shot poorly. Both teams were very sloppy. Um, 39 total turnovers between the two teams. Um, it, As you mentioned, it just seemed like they were both teams were lethargic. And I, you could say back-to-back – and I understand people um, want to use that, lean on that as a partly of an excuse. But my point was, and I said, I said this a little bit on Twitter last night, was you can't use that as an excuse. You, you're going even when they when they reduce the back-to-backs next season. I'm sure every team's probably going to still play 12 or 13 back-to-backs. So you can't look at one seventh of your sixth or one seventh of your schedule and say like, okay, well in these games where it's okay if we don't bring energy and we don't play hard, et cetera, et cetera. So. And the other part of it is you just had the all-star break, like, what, 10 days ago, something like that, and you had every team in the NBA had eight days off. So I can't sit here and say, like, okay, well, you know, it's it's understandable that they didn't play with a lot of energy and that they were lethargic because it was a back-to-back. I just don't – I'm not I'm not into that excuse right now. But um, other than that, I can't explain why the game unfolded the way it did. It just seemed like one of those nights where – Neither team had a had an easy time getting into any kind of rhythm, and I think Utah had obviously had more stretches of good basketball, 
in the second half, and that was why they won. But overall, it was a, it was an ugly game. No, absolutely no doubt about that. Jim, I want to go back to Sunday a little bit because I felt like it was nice to see the Pelicans win a game with DeMarcus Cousins on the floor, but I felt like we sort of put a Band-Aid on some of the issues that we have and not necessarily you know, cleaned up the damage uh, entirely. Sure. And I feel like that trickled into Monday a little bit where some of the problems we were having, the turnovers, the poor shooting, I think kind of just trickled down. Like you said, uh, wasn't really as far as being tired of concern. So do you see that maybe the – we saw the win and thought, okay, we're, we're getting back on track here, but then some of the same things that were issues on Sunday turned into bigger issues on Monday. Yeah, I think that's actually a great way to put it. It, it seemed like Monday, in a lot of ways, was a continuation of, of what happened during a lot of the game Sunday. Um, I think for me, the, the thing that I was disappointed about last night against Utah was just that you, yeah, you, you got a win against the Lakers. They're not a good opponent whatsoever. So in the game against Utah, you, you say, okay, we have a chance to build on getting a win, try to get another win and against a team that is much, much better. And if you can win in Utah, that's a feather in your cap and an impressive performance. But instead, it it, it seemed like um, it was poor shooting again. Um, the turnovers were way worse against Utah. I don't think the turnovers were that bad against the Lakers, although there were times when that it was a problem. But um, overall, I just – the thing that I look at is just the areas that you can control and shooting is not one of them to me. They, it, it wasn't like they didn't get good looks last night. They got into the paint a lot and didn't make them. And sometimes that's part of basketball. The way the Pelicans have been shooting the ball the last few games where they've just been in a, in a huge slump. I don't know how you can really control that. I think that's something that happens in basketball. They might come back the next three or four games and have like one of their best stretches of the season, but shooting is so unpredictable. The problem is that you areas like taking care of the ball, being precise with the ball, um, not having sloppy turnovers. I thought some of them last night were really careless, where somebody is just dribbling, dribbles the ball into the stands, basically, or throws a, a pass that has very little chance of getting there. Um, those are the things that, to me, that they need to focus on going forward is just to improve in some another area. Last night, it's it's a it's a close game. You you've somehow stayed in the game and given yourself a chance. And then in the last couple, two, three minutes, Utah scores a couple times in basically back-breaking situations where they're, they're playing five-on-four. So because guys aren't matched up, guys aren't getting back on defense. Those are areas that you can control. And so those are, those are the things that, to me, that were the most bothersome about what happened last night was just that as, as much as, as poorly as you played overall, you still had a chance to win. But then at the end, you basically gave Utah – I don't want to say an easy opportunity, but an op optimum opportunity to just close out the game and, and get the win. Let's talk about a positive from last night because I did find one, and that is Jordan Crawford coming basically off the plane in, into Vivint Smart Home Arena. 19 points, 8 of 15 shooting from the field. Uh, it was nice to see uh, Jordan, who uh, making his Pelicans debut, uh, play so well. Second leading score for the Pelicans. Yeah, he was really good. I mean, he it, it's scares you to think of how they would have done offensively if he didn't play, if they didn't sign him yesterday in that game. But, um, I mean, I remember him from his previous stint in the NBA. One of my one of my real good friends is a Wizards fan, and he was telling me, hey, you better be ready for him to be aggressive offensively, which I kind of knew already from watching him play. But it was funny that he, on the very first possession that he checked into the game, he made a jump shot. And it was that was kind of the way he played the whole game. He had no hesitation whatsoever. And on a night when, <clears throat> excuse me, on a night when they shot so poorly, 
Washington had so little going offensively. I mean, he was he was really valuable and was one of the reasons that they actually did have a chance to, to win the game towards the end. All right, Jim, so 18 games ago, Pelicans are four and a half games back, and I feel like, you know, we want to keep watching the scoreboard and keep checking on teams that are ahead of the Pelicans, but I feel like now it's more focusing on what the Pelicans have to do themselves to try to start taking care of business and actually get some wins. Do you feel like right now yeah. it's more about what we have to do and not worry so much about what the other teams are doing because uh, the Pelicans still have yet to put together a win, a stretch of two wins in a row it seems like forever. So what what are some of the things? Yeah. I know you mentioned them uh, a little bit, but what else can the Pelicans do to – what do they need to prove on the most, um, especially when you play a good team like Toronto tomorrow night? Well, I, I mean, I think you said it exactly. And as far as just the focus needs to be on you. They're 2-5 and five since the all-break. So no matter how you look at the standings and say, like, okay, well, this team needs to lose and we, these guys go into a slump, et cetera, et cetera, um, it's it's pointless unless you can start playing better and start getting more wins. So um, <clears throat> I think just there there's there's a besides the turnovers, I think um, the rebounding has been getting better. I mean that's that's definitely something that's going to be a key against Toronto that has a couple of big guys in Ibaka and Valanciunas. Um, but it's it's going to take a, a lot more of a of an overall just precise performance and and um, to me, if you – I know I keep talking about turnovers, but to me, if that, that's one thing that just right there, if you take you, – you cannot have the combination of a ton of turnovers, which reduces your possessions by a lot. And then with the possessions that you do have, you're shooting a poor percentage. So to me, that that combination of those two things has to get, has to get better or you're going to end up with, you know, offensive performances less, like last night where you end up with 83 points. Let me ask you this, and and I'm not going to try to pretend like I'm a coach here. It was just something that I kind of observed last night. But I felt like a lot of times, especially this happened in the first quarter, that Pelicans had more three-point attempts than jumpers. And when you have two big guys like Cousins and Davis, you would think, all right, you go attack down low, either with both of them down low or one of them down low and one up high. But there were times last night that you saw both of them on the outside. Was that just still players trying to get acclimated to having Boogie on the floor, especially with AD on the court at the same time? Or what am, what am I missing here? Or is it just a, something that um, will take time as far as getting adjusted to those kind of things? I think I think part of it is it'll take time to get adjusted. But, I mean, you're also – the thing about it is, too, is like if players or teams have played a certain way for 60-something games, I don't know how you can expect in game 64 – that all of a sudden they're going to change that, and part of what I part of what I mean when I say that is, um, Davis and Cousins are both have both taken a good amount of three pointers this season, especially Cousins. Um, you're I don't think you're ever going to see both of them posting up because of the spacing issue. So a lot of times you're going to have one guy outside and one guy in the paint. But um, so overall, I guess part of what I'm saying is like even if even the guys that you that you, you're talking about as far as, like, you want to see them post up more um, are guys that shoot three-pointers. So the, you you add the, the threes that they take with the, the threes that the rest of the team takes, and um, I don't really expect that that number is going to go way down. I don't, I don't even – in today's NBA, I'm not sure if you can even do that, if you can even get to the point where you're, you're cutting your three-point attempts down to, say, like 10 or 15 a game the way it was for a lot of teams even three, four years ago. So 
Um, yeah, I don't. I, also, I don't think AD AD doesn't post up a ton. Yeah, it's not a huge part of his game as far as back to the basket. He he more he's more effective as far as like catching the ball on the um on the on the elbow maybe and using his quickness or catching it on the baseline and even either being able to make a jumper or just drive by the guy because he's so much quicker than him. So and then Cousins of course as I alluded to has taken his game further outside. So I don't know even though you have two you know great all-star players I don't know if we're if we're, if we're really ever going to see a diet of like what Memphis does where it's just pounded inside and even the Grizzlies are shooting threes at a much higher rate now so I just think the game's changing so um I don't know if, if we're gonna if it's ever gonna go back to where you just dump it inside and 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 play back to the basket the way that it, it used to be all right good stuff there Jim that's Jim Eikenhofer from pelicans.com pelicans back in action tomorrow night against the Toronto Raptors Jim I appreciate the time as always and I'll talk to you after the game tomorrow on Pelicans OT. Hopefully we're discussing a win. Sounds good. I, I'm happy my voice was able to hold up for the, these uh, last few minutes. I made it through it. I saw your list as probable for today's interview, so I knew I had faith that you were <laughs> going to be okay. Way to push through. <laughs> Thanks, man. You know, I, I, I did my best. I, I laid it all out on the line for this. All right. We'll get some rest, Jim, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks again. Thanks again, man. All right, thanks. All right, when we come back, we'll turn our attention to the NFL Combine. We'll wrap up uh, this weekend's events with Joel Erickson from The Advocate. Stay with us. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. The future is bright for your New Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. Those locking in their seats by Friday, March 31st will take advantage of the price freeze and also receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing Touchdown Saints, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. 
Time now to put a bow on the NFL Combine. Joining me now is Joel Erickson, who covers the Saints for The Advocate. Joel, I appreciate you coming on this morning. Yeah, no problem. Good to hear from you. Joel, let's start off with a broad question. Give me one or two guys, no matter the position, that really impressed you over the weekend. Uh, well, <laughs> it was hard not to be impressed by John Ross. Uh, 4 and you could clearly see that he pulled up a little bit against that 40. Um... Uh, and on top of that, on top of that, he, can, he had some good explosion numbers, the jumping and stuff like that. So that's one. And then a little bit further off the radar, uh, Kansas State's Jordan Willis, um, and def- you know, defensive end, pass rusher, guy who was really productive in college, but I don't think was expected to test uh, like Miles Garrett or somebody like that. And then he goes out and runs a four-five-three forty, and, and kind of shows that athletically he belongs in that group too. On the flip side, give me someone that you were looking forward to seeing but didn't really impress you in Indianapolis this weekend. Um, probably the cornerback from Florida, uh, Tease Taylor. Uh, you know, he's, he's supposed to be up there among the top guys and it's such a deep class. And, you know, to run a 40 in the four sixes, that's, that's, at a lot of positions, you wonder how much the 40 matters. But obviously, speed, long, speed and long speed matters at corner. I think one of the big storylines from the combine was Reuben Foster, who was dismissed before interviews and testing on Saturday after getting in a verbal altercation with a hospital worker. How much does this hurt Foster's draft stock, in your opinion? Um. Well, my first thought is, my first thought is, and I, I know we saw the uh, the uh, description of events that came out, um, but but it had to be a heck of a disagreement with a hospital worker to be sent home, is my mm-hmm. assumption. And the thing is, I don't necessarily know that it's this incident that would hurt him, but it makes you wonder if it makes teams dig a little bit more uh, into some of the other stuff and see see what they've got there. So I, I don't think I don't think it's something that is uh, necessarily a killer for him, but it's definitely going to force teams to look a little harder into his background. We talked last week uh, uh, previewing uh, the NFL Combine, talking about some LSU guys that were making its way to Indianapolis. Uh, Joel, was there anyone that uh, stuck out as far as the LSU guys? How did they fare this weekend? I thought uh, Leonard Fournette's 451 at 240 pounds is, is impressive no matter which way you look at it. Um, you know, he, he, had, he had a short vertical, but that, that's really not something that's going to uh, uh, hurt him much. I think he's obviously the one that everyone looks at. The uh, the other guy I was kind of paying attention to was Sedavious White, the corner. Um, again, those, there's so many corners in this draft. Um, you know, you heard general managers saying that you might be able to get a starting caliber corner in the fourth round that normally would get drafted in the second round. And and uh, White turned in a very solid 40 in the mid four fours. Uh, that's got to help him. You know, to confirm his speed. The thing about thing about the combine is obviously most teams are going off the tape but in a in a situation where there's there's a lot of guys all in the same spot you want to have that confirmation of athleticism i think he did that it's no secret that the saints are looking for defensive players in the draft you mentioned guys that impressed you over the weekend but give me some guys that the saints could potentially draft based on maybe how they did in this combine um you know there's we we've We've seen that Sean Payton said the Saints have to get a pass rusher. There's a lot of them in this draft. Uh, Willis all of a sudden looks like he might be a second-round or borderline first. But 
You know, there's other guys too. Uh, UCLA's uh, Karis McKinley. Pretty sure I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing with him is he's very gifted, very raw, um, which means that there's, there's some room for him to improve. And he's, he, even though he's raw, he was highly productive last year. But the thing with him is he's got to have surgery on his shoulder. Um, so you, you wonder about uh, wonder about how how early he's going to be able to get get to uh, playing in camp and whether or not he can help. Um, you know, there's there's another guy there's another guy that interests me. I think most Saints fans probably know about the the big name pass rushers, but there's a guy when I was covering Auburn, Carl Lawson, who I, I always really liked. I liked the way he studied the game. Um, he sort of approached it like a quarterback, uh, in that he he very rarely forgot anything that ever happened. And he had a very good combine. He ran a ran a low uh, four six forty. Did an incredible thirty five wrench on uh, reps on the bench press. He's had some health issues, but if the medical checks out, I, I would look into him. Of course, scouting-wise, uh, now it's time for the pro days to come within the next month as some schools actually start today and go all the way through beginning of April. So how much weight should we put on these pro days when evaluating these players? Uh, I think the pro days probably get more uh, of, a, of a headline than probably teams need for it to, to come out. I think... I think the best thing for the pro days is that when teams go there, they, they get a chance to sit down with some of these guys again that maybe they didn't get to interview at the combine or, or, or they decided not to interview at the combine knowing they were going to be at the pro day. Um, and, and then the other thing, obviously, that we watch as we get close to the draft is the private visits. And, and uh, uh, you know, sometimes those are those are good indicators of who, who teams are going to pick, and sometimes it's good indicators of who – uh, might matter down the line. You know, they signed a guy off the Steelers practice squad late in the season, Travis Feeney, who was a visit last year and obviously didn't end up on the Saints right away, but they went back to him. One last question before I let you go, Joel. Uh, free agency, the legal tampering, I should say, is beginning uh, as we talk right now and will it be for the next two days. Do you expect a lot of a lot of action here in these next two days as far as free agency is concerned? Uh. Maybe not in the next two days. You'll hear lots of rumors, but the thing is that then uh, on Thursday, on Thursday when that, that that deadline hits, we're going to see a bunch of signings announced almost immediately, uh, and then you find out all the work that was going on uh, finalizing deals over these these next two days. So uh, it, it should be interesting. It seems like the free agent pool gets a little bit less and less uh, star-studded every year as teams re-sign their own, but. It's always interesting to see where guys go. All right, should be an interesting couple of days of us. That's for sure. That's Joel Erickson, Saints beat writer for the Abbey. You can follow him on Twitter at Joel A. Erickson. Joel, I appreciate the insight. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. All right, I'll wrap up the podcast after this quick timeout. The future is bright for your new Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. Those locking in their seats by Friday, March 31st will take advantage of the price freeze and also receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. 
the energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Big thanks to Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com and Joel Erickson from The Advocate on tomorrow's show. We'll preview Pelicans and Raptors with David Wesley, television analyst for Fox Sports New Orleans. It is a Wesley Wednesday, and he'll be joined by Sean Kelly, of course. And we'll start to preview NFL free agency as free agency begins later on this week. Look out for who the Saints might target and uh, who might be targeted around the NFL. Hope you have a great rest of your Tuesday. And until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.